All right, we appreciate you making time for us. And uh, if you are ready, we'll, uh, we'll just get right underway. My name is Timothy John Barrero. I'm EO title. I'm a uh, professor of internal medicine uh, at Lake Erie uh, College of Osteopathic Medicine, Northeast Ohio Medical Universities, and Ohio University Heritage College of Medicine. I'm the director, <clears throat> I'm section chair of pulmonary and critical care and sleep medicine at uh, Neomed and the director of the Pulmonary Health and Research Center. I think I got it all. Busy man. Well, I don't know, just titles. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, doctor, first of all, before I get into any questions, I want to just have you react to this phenomenon that we've seen uh, with this wildfire smoke, the haze it's caused, and just kind of any observations that you have. Well, the observations continue to be real and obviously are concerning. I think uniquely, I would just say, when I look at this, I think we forget because it's so far away that we are not going to be affected by it or that it doesn't have any consequence to us because it's happening in California or Utah or in the West. And the answer is we clearly are uniquely connected in many different ways. And one is through the air that we breathe. And so it's specifically in Youngstown and in this valley in general, where we have a high incidence of pulmonary related diseases for many different reasons. We have an elderly population, ethnic minority population, one of which was uniquely connected to blue collar nature. One where industry, industry was a high product uh, here in that area has affected a lot of our patients who have underlying structural lung disease or asthma impairments. And so from that standpoint, what we see is increasing cough, irritants, breathing difficulties, and increased use of what we call rescue inhalers. So the, the rescue inhalers is something that is kind of, at least you know, to a lay person like me, kind of reactive. So I guess my first question is folks who know they have breathing problems who are susceptible to this kind of thing, what can they do uh, to minimize the impact? Well, I think we have to approach the, the question, maybe a step back is to try to look at what, what are we dealing with? So there's there's some common miscalculations or misconceptions. Number one is certainly when we look at what our air looks like, you can have fog, but fog is really not a respiratory irritant. It doesn't affect the lungs. Oh, it's a visual quality deterrent, and you may have a car accident because of that. Because it's water-based, it doesn't necessarily have any irritants to the lungs or cause problems. What you mentioned earlier, what's happened from the forest fires is a product of what's called a haze, which you mentioned. And the haze is a mixture of particulate matter and that particulate matter or what's called a dry content is the ones that can cause pulmonary irritants. They can cause pulmonary irritants for a number of reasons. The first one really is based on its size of the particle. So the size of the particle is really important because the smaller the size, right? And we use this in medical terms called a, a particulate matter or PM number. And we throw around PM numbers in the medical side uh, using 2.5 and 10. And that means the size of the particle. For example, a particulate matter of 2.5, which is typically used in what's called the air quality index, mm -hmm. which is used in most newscasts things to that nature or people that can look up online to determine what the air quality is, is mandated through the Air Quality Act. And it's a really good measure to try to look at to see where you're at 
and things that you could do to try to protect yourself. And I'll get into that hopefully a little bit more. Yep. So this PM 2.5 is roughly about the hundredth, uh, about a hundred size less than a hair, uh, a, a piece of hair. So you get an idea of how small this particle is mm-hmm. and why that particulate matter is really important and why it's important that when we look at this haze and how it comes across, what it may be accumulating or decreasing in the amount of what's called sulfur dioxide or nitric dioxide and other matters that come into that, ozone, et cetera, the smaller the particle, the deeper it gets into the lungs. And what happens is the lungs itself have intrinsic ways to fight against air particulates that shouldn't be there into it. So you have your nose and your respiratory system that have hair and mucus that grab a hold of particles. The upper airway is mainly to capture larger particles through what's called a mucociliary escalator, bind cilia that and mucus that has immune system uh, regulated uh, to pick it. But once the smaller particles get past that protective layer, then we start the need to work on what the immune system can do within the lungs. And this gets to the point where you were asking why patients who have previous pulmonary or cardiovascular disease may be so much affected by this haze and what we're seeing with our air quality and our environment is because their immune system and their lungs at that distal level of architecture are already damaged. And that's why that size may be important. So I typically say that rescue inhalers are nice but we should think about being a little bit more proactive and looking at what the quality, air quality index may be in our area. And you can search that on the web simply by looking it up. And what some people try to do is use that particular, uh, and usually the air quality is based on what's called a PM 2.5, the one that could really, the really smallest particle, so that they go into ultra filtrates, but that's really not, that's kind of more than I think everybody really needs to know. Uh, at that level, that's where people can really get harmed and cause issues. So the air quality index moves from zero to 500. And I think that's really important that people can look that up and see where you're at. Anything above 100 on the air quality index can cause pulmonary irritation. Even for someone who may not have pulmonary disease, such as asthma, chronic bronchitis, or emphysema. So I think that's a nice cutoff to try to look at. Now, obviously, the higher that number, we recommend not even going outside or use right air conditioning. Keep your air, your windows closed. Use air conditioner if you're lucky to have it. Um, so then down the road, if you have an irritant you want to carry, if you're below 100 and you still need to do outside activities and you may have structural lung disease, some people recommend wearing a mask. But you've got to remember um, so that some masks are more beneficial. The, the higher the, the mask, the harder it is to breathe through that uh, higher concentrated mask and people of complaints about that through the whole COVID issue because that's a small virus and you need a very high protective mask. But any mask would be helpful depending on the particular matters involved. So that's another way to get around it. But usually your rescue inhaler is just to help irritant after the systematic effect has already occurred. And that's why it's a little bit better to be more proactive about when should you be doing these activities if you have structural lung disease and trying to treat it after the fact when you already put yourself at risk. Makes a lot of sense. And it's it's way more complicated an issue than I certainly thought and what a lot of folks who were dealing with this probably thought. To the end of your comments about the um, air quality index, we of course do broadcast that when it gets abnormal ranges. How far 
um, beyond the normal advisory criteria for air quality index around here has this episode been? Um, so last, so Youngstown currently is in a good level, uh, which means it's less than 30. I looked that up this morning before the podcast. So from that standpoint, um, another way to put that um, is an interesting study done by uh, researchers out of Canada, and they looked at to equate the air quality index to the amount of cigarettes someone would smoke, which I thought was really interesting to kind of put it in perspective. Yeah. If you look at the air quality and ours is 30 and you divide that by 22, so whatever the air quality index is, and you divide that number by 22, tells you how many cigarettes per day that you may be inhaling. So it just gives you a kind of rough estimate. So we're really about one. Uh, it kind of just puts it in perspective where people can get an idea saying this is good or bad because uh, they can relate to that a little bit more than just an absolute number. Um, so um, overall, our relative air quality has been pretty good. I think we also underestimate the concept of what heat can do, just heat itself. We've been dealing with very high temperatures. And the other part, the heat that's also important is humidity. Humidity yeah. is an interesting aspect for the lungs and pulmonary physiology because humidity is a driving factor with pressure. So atmospheric pressure is high, your lungs should generate negative pressure and air goes from high to low. When your humidity is high, that pressure in the lung goes up, so you have to work harder to breathe. Um, so other than just air quality, heat itself is hard. You also lose vapor of water, which your lungs need in order to help move and reduce uh, and help with secretions. And then you have the, and the humidity on top of that, which is really a really driving factor. Most of my advanced COPD patients or patients with structural lung disease really notice humidity more than the air quality index. That makes a lot of sense because even I, an otherwise healthy individual, uh, playing golf on Tuesday, I noticed the haze and I certainly noticed the humidity and I noticed how much effort it took to take a cleansing breath. So I, I can appreciate uh, certainly what you're saying what you're saying about that. I guess my last question is, given all of this, and given that the air quality in our area is better than it was, uh, has that eased your concern going forward for the rest of the week, for the rest of the summer, about the impact of this on our population? The answer is clearly no, because I don't think we really have gotten... Con I think there still needs to be an increasing regulation and, 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 and federal regulations about, about how to control this need. Most of the things we're dealing with are with the fires. I don't think, as you know, um, they should be aware of is that these have increased dramatically over the past five years, and I don't see that going away. Uh, the uh, previous president decreased regulations from the EPA, um, so our, um, those decrease in regulations also concern me because our air is important as well as the water that we drink. And uniquely, you know, my battlefield is pulmonary disease. so. The air you breathe is one the biggest part of what I have to deal with on a regular basis. So obviously I'm a little bit skewed in my answer yeah. and uh, knowing that, but nonetheless, I do think uh, that we're dealing with, I, I do see, and I'm not a pediatrician, but I will tell you the incidence of pulmonary related diseases such as asthma is increasing, not decreasing in prevalence. And I don't know the reason why some people are allocating that to the possibility of asthma when people have looked at whether or not it's due to immobility. Um, I do think that there's something uniquely related to uh, how we live in our environment and how uh, healthy we may be. 
So I don't know if there's a direct link, but history has told us there probably is, right? We've known about industrialization and the risks of everything that comes from that. From the <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, from, from a geek standpoint, I would tell you the first reports of COPD documented in the literature were actually autopsy reports of a new right dust in the lungs which came from the, the industrial revolution in london so that whole concept right just fits into what we're talking about and 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 why it's uh as you talked about it jarred my memory to think about that understood doctor any other uh any other things you want to add or anything that i might have forgotten well just to read it i think it's important just to remember at least that i can uh, we go over is that it's, I think, important to try to be preventative more than uh, reactory. And so preventative is really important. Um, try to know whether or not uh, you have pulmonary disease. And if you have pulmonary disease, make sure you have uh, check with your physician if needed. Uh, look for the humidity index. Look at the air quality index. If that number of 100 would be something I would be very cautious about. because We do know that that increases the risk. And I would be remiss to say that even that number of 100 is also associated with cardiovascular risk. These particles tend to cause intense inflammation, not only in the lungs, but in the blood vessels. The lungs have a tremendous amount of blood vessels that go to your heart. So looking at what's called a marker of uh, contraction called acetylcholine, those levels went up even in smoke-filled bars. So the same concept holds across the board. So not only people with pulmonary disease, but may have structural heart disease or coronary artery disease, may want to look at that air quality index to try to make a better idea. It's easier to exercise and go out in the evening when the right sun is down, when the humidity may be better. Obviously, you have the water with you at all times would be helpful. Try to wear a mask if you have to go out. And uh, if you can, have a rescue inhaler to protect you and you get in trouble so you can see further in. Understood. Dr. Burrow, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. We appreciate it very much. Thanks again for hearing me out. Yes, sir. Have a great day. Thank you.